Hello and welcome to Chick Flicks. I'm Mackenzie Chapman. And I'm Bridget Hovell, and today we are talking about Titane and the first Transformer movie. But first, let's catch up. Let's. <laughs> <laughs> I I could go first. Okay, great. Um, so the first thing I'm into is Cheer season two. I watched it uh, in like two days with my roommate this past week. I like everyone else in the world watched Cheer season one when it first came out. Mm-hmm. I think at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, it was like late and- 2019. I feel like right. Or maybe, maybe beginning yeah, yeah. of the pandemic. Actually, yeah. I think you're right. Like right before the pandemic, yeah. maybe. Um, but I, it's like, you know, it's a very gripping show that, mm-hmm. because it's something that we don't know anything about. And it's just, I think watching any type of show or reading any type of piece of media where someone's like obsessed with something is just very mm-hmm. interesting. Totally. You, like, their, their like passion is contagious. Totally. Definitely had some criticisms of the show and like maybe how how they it wasn't perfect like the people in it weren't perfect yeah but the show was like beautifully filmed and mm-hmm. uh, it was just really well done so we watched cheer, we started Cheer season two and I had no idea about some of the things that happened that were re- revealed in season two um, since the last time they had filmed mm. and one of them is that the breakout star of the first season, Jerry was convicted for sexual assault, basically of minors. I mean, he had child pornography and, um, was like involved with like around 15 boys. And he like encounter, he like, uh, like had this really aggressive encounter with one of them in a like bathroom at a cheer competition. And, I and of course this whole season like they're dealing with the pandemic they're dealing with the like heartbreak of Jerry being someone that they didn't know Mm -hmm. Um, it's it's and so it's a completely different show it feels like it feels like a completely different show it's a lot more like raw Mm -hmm. and it 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 like it almost feels because of like the there are just like such big character arcs in yeah. the show that it almost feels like it could be fiction, but it's not. It's like real life, mm-hmm. and it's it's just really good. Um, Wait, do you get the impression since it deals with the pandemic, since they're in Texas, that any of them are like anti-vax or anti? Uh, you don't get that mm. impress. You don't get, have a sense of that. You do at the beginning when so at the beginning of the pandemic. You see them train for Daytona, which is the big cheer mm-hmm. competition. Um, you see them train for it, and then you see it get canceled, and everyone is heartbroken. Gotcha. It's like a, it's like a week before or something like that that it gets canceled. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they're prepping for that, they are like, "I don't care. Whatever happens, happens. Like I need to go to Daytona. They're like, we'll go no matter what." Which I think, you know, I feel like no one should be judged. March twenty twenty to like for the beginning yeah, of the pandemic. No. Like how they react totally. But I think that um, after that, there were a lot of like shots of them getting like COVID tested or, uh, mm-hmm. before being able to like compete or um, like cheer together go back to school monica did have a moment where she said like people are judging me gonna 
people are going to be judging me for like not wearing a mask and for wearing a mask. And so she mostly wears um, is wearing a mask, I would say, like when she's like, I mean, not re- really well, but she definitely is showing <laughs> wearing a mask. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wonder if Netflix was like, hey. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh. And I will well, I will say that for the Jerry, there's like only one episode that's really devoted mm-hmm. to the Jerry situation, and they spend a lot of time with the victims. Like it, mm. it was surprising to me that the victims wanted to actually be yeah. part of the show, but they they were really cute. Like they were like, I want to be like Aww. a start for this to stop in the cheer world like they were like we want to be the catalyst for this change yeah. in cheer which i thought it was like just really brave of them That's, um yeah because you know especially when the whole world is like in love with jerry it's just yeah i can't ugh. imagine and he i mean I'm, i could go on and on but he wrote this like letter to monica from jail and was like i want to be a motivational speaker and was like super optimistic and that to me was like the biggest red flag i feel like, like. he wasn't really showing remorse Any he was just thinking of yeah. like the next thing he could do exactly it was <sighs> so that was so gross to me like yeah um and monica was like i didn't know how to answer so she never did <sighs> anyway that's your season two <laughs> I highly recommend to watch. It's very emotional, um, but it's also you know like it's it's like beautifully filmed and it's really gripping. Mm-hmm. The second thing I'm into is a book called Sarah Land by Sam Cohen, and it's a collection of short stories all about women or just people named Sarah, and um, it was. I thought it was a really interesting concept, to, mm-hmm. first of all. Um, and I really liked how, like, it was very, like, sexy and, you know, like, kind of kinky, too. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in like, unique ways. Like, there's a whole... There's, the first one is about, like, a college student. Um, but then there's one that's about, uh, like... A bi- like a retold Bible story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. I just really liked it. I thought it was like, I read, I listened to it and I thought it was a fun, it was a fun book to listen to because I think that when I read books that are that like this, the first short story was about like a college girl. And I feel like when I read <laughs> stories about college girls or like if I read like a Sally Rooney book or like, about a young woman, I'm immediately thinking, I'm like in, their voice to me sounds mm-hmm. just like sad. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, maybe I'm just like projecting to it. I don't know. But, um, not that I'm sad. I'm actually in a really good place. But, uh, the narrator like injected a lot of like fun into it, which yeah. I was really grateful for. I, and I don't know if I would have read it that way if I had read it. So I uh, appreciate that. I want to read that really badly. It's on my list. It was good. And it's like a easy read too. Yeah. Um, Love it. It like flies by. Um, and then the third book I read is The Road Trip by Beth O'Leary, which is a, I would say a rom-com. It's actually pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Um, this is another one that I listened to. I've been listening to a lot of books. 
Um, and it is about two exes that um, have to road trip to a wedding together. And it, it's like two timelines. So it's like when they meet and when mm-hmm. they're together. And then this road trip. And there's a lot of like uh, shenanigans that ensue during mm-hmm. the road trip. As you can imagine, like just a road trip would be kind of boring. But it's like their car breaks down. They like pick up this other guest to the wedding that turns out to be a stalker. Mm-hmm. Like the mm-hmm. her, the sister that they're also, also with gets like abandoned on the side of the road. And they have to find her. And they go to A&E. It's in England. A&E okay. is accidents and emergency or something like that. Um. And so it's pretty funny. And I also just really liked the depiction of their relationship timeline as well, because Mm -hmm. they, I feel like the problems that they encountered in their relationship were very realistic and something that I could relate to. Like the girl was, had trouble communicating and opening up and being completely vulnerable. And the guy was sort of like, he felt like lost and didn't know he, mm. who he was uh, and just was kind of like wishy-washy. I don't know. I really mm. liked it. Um, so those are my three things. Nice. <laughs> That's so awesome that you've been reading so much. feels good. Thanks. It does feel good. Yeah. Um, it's, it's because I, I've been listening to a lot of books. Mm. So that's been helping because mm-hmm. I can basically do it whenever. <laughs> Um, I'll start with the last really good book I finished, which was Matrix by Lauren Groff, which came out um, in 2021. And I've read Lauren Groff's other books now, uh, her short story collection, Florida, which I really enjoyed, and Fates and Furies, which I enjoyed less so. I thought it was kind of overhyped and was like compared a lot to Gone Girl because there's like a kind of dramatic twist where you're like, nothing was as it seems. Uh, And I didn't think the twist was that good or I can't remember, but I just didn't like it that much. Mm -hmm. But this is her latest book and I adored it. Um, She was inspired by this poet, um, Marie de France, uh, who was a nun uh, in medieval times and she left behind all of this poetry, which is very... Like, I think with a modern perspective, we would describe a lot of it as very, like, queer. She had lots of visions of the Virgin Mary, um, and she wrote a lot of poetry about women being adulterous, kind of crazy stuff for a nun. (laughs) Um, And so this is kind of an imagining, Groff's imagining of what her life would have been like. And she uh, starts the novel... Marie is a 17-year-old who has been orphaned. She is of noble blood, but a bastard. And so she's sent to live at court, and she falls in love with the queen, who's an older woman. Um, And the queen sends her away to uh, be the head of this nunnery that is, like, in total disrepair, and the nuns are starving. And Marie, over the course of her life, um, just decides basically to become the queen of the nunnery, like basically to have her own kingdom. And in this kingdom, like she's going to provide for all of these nuns and be like their mother. Um, The word matrix apparently means mother in Latin, which I didn't know. Uh, Terrible SEO for this book, like (laughs) especially this year when a new new matrix movie came out. Um, But it was really lovely and uh, unconventional a number of ways. There's like no dialogue really. Um, 
but you get to know Marie and a bunch of the other nuns. And Marie is very ambitious and has all of these like group projects that I really enjoyed reading about where she's like, we're going to make a labyrinth. And then like all the nuns like get different jobs or like, we're going to make a moat around the labyrinth. And like, it's just more and more ambitious uh, with age. And she does a lot of heretical things too, um, like take confession. She basically just becomes like her, it's, it's, um, it's very feminist without like trying to shoehorn, I think, modern feminism into, uh, you know, past ideals. But I really enjoyed it and I thought it was really lovely. Um, I also watched uh, semi-recently Power of the Dog, which is on Netflix and directed by Jane Campion. Um, I really liked it. It was one of those movies, I think, the more I think about it and the farther I get from my first watch of it, I'm like, that was really fucking good. Uh, I saw a TikTok... (laughs) about it yesterday where someone was like, why did you all tell me this movie was gay? I'm watching it and it's, it's not. Um, but it is kind of like a blink and you miss it. Uh, mm. Like subtext, not even subtext. It's just like blink and you miss it. Like you have to be kind of like really closely paying attention to the film to kind of see some of the stuff it's pointing at. And I think if you weren't paying attention to it, the ending would like just totally shock you and be <laughs> very strange and abrupt. But I don't normally like Benedict Cumberpatch and I thought he was really good in it. And, of course, Kristen Dunst, who's one of my favorite actresses, I just adored. Um, and Cody Scott McPhee, who oh is, gosh. like, a child actor. What is he in? What was, like, are okay. you so familiar? I have to tell you about this week. This is, like, a new... Cody Smith McPhee is, like, a new joke Ian and I have because we looked up... Cody Smith McPhee, okay. <laughs> Cody Smith McPhee because he... We, for some reason, found his name on like a hmm. movie poster and we were like what is that name and then we looked him up and you were like that guy and he was in x-men he was okay in he's nightcrawler let, let me in yes okay. he was nightcrawler he was in let me in the american like Luther he was Lenin a child star yeah yeah and now he's in the power of the dog which is i want to watch the power of the dog so I yes see cody's <laughs> and it's very and for other yes you have to watch it to to continue the in joke with the end yes exactly but i also this is kind of funny is that this is like a weird way to talk about someone, but he is very like tall and super like, I don't know, but you would be surprised that he has kind of like this babely, super babe girlfriend. <laughs> Wait, in real life? Yes. <laughs> I mean, he, he just seems like he's a little like, I don't know, uh, good for him is what I'm saying, you know. And Does he play he, a relative of... Benedict Cumberbatch and I shan't spoil it for you okay uh but somewhat and he's so good in it he's really really good in it I think also you're just like surprised by the babely real life girlfriend when you watch the movie because he becomes that character so well it's just Mm -hmm. I'm complimenting him is what I am yeah Yeah. (laughs) uh then the last thing I'm into, and I'm super into it, is Yellow Jackets. Um, it's on Showtime. It just wrapped up its first season. Uh, I'm just like super hooked. I have been on Reddit. I have been searching the hashtag on Twitter. Um, it's about a soccer team in 1996 from New Jersey who uh, crash land on their way to nationals in the Canadian wilderness. And then the parallel story is about a group of the... Um, soccer team who make it to adulthood and um, kind of have to deal with the things that they've done in their past. It's an interesting um, way to shape the narrative. It reminds me a lot of the book It, um, IT by Stephen King, uh, which in the book you have the 
uh, Losers Club as children, their plot line runs parallel to the adult plot line where they're happening at the same time and you go back and forth and you should, because of how time works, know things in the adult plot line about the younger plot line, but you don't. You're like gradually uncovering it. Mm-hmm. And it's the same way. In, it's the same thing in Yellow Jackets. You're kind of like gradually learning more about both plot lines at once. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw one review put it very cleverly that, you know, um, it subverts like the trauma plot, which is, I think, something that has kind of overtaken a lot of media uh, where you have like a lot of flashbacks to understand a character more by something that happened in their past. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is kind of like the adult plot line is like a suburban thriller and the girl's plot line is like a survival story. So it's like two different genres operating at once. Sweet. It's very cool. Um, I think they did a really good job in this season. They have a central mystery that is presented at the very first episode. And at the end of the season, you have maybe five more mysteries and you have only learned so much about what happened out there in the wilderness. But it's I, I think they either have a lot of potential to make a show that just keeps growing um, in scope or kind of like really badly fuck it up. Uh, so I'll be interested to see what happens. Yeah, because it's like I see some people comparing it to Lost. You know, like there's mm. I think people when you make a show around a mystery are bound to be disappointed um, or like not get the answers that they were looking for. And if you like go on Reddit, people have so many crazy theories already. There's a lot of occult elements, which complicate things more, but I just love it because it's about, you know, like a group of girls and then about a group of adults who have been bonded together by something terrible, but they're all super thorny and different, but they have this connection. Uh, And since it's in New Jersey, there's lots of very good New Jersey details in it. Um, They mentioned Blair Academy where, uh, (laughs) uh, which is in the town I grew up in or like, they'll be like a reporter's here from the star ledger, Uh, (laughs) just stuff like that. And uh, um, yeah, I I super enjoyed it. I I plan to, you gotta watch it. Yeah. (laughs) Trigger our free trial or whatever. It's 30 days. So it's, it's a good long one. So watch it in like a day. (laughs) Yeah. Get the most step that you can out of showtime. Something I will just, before we dig into our movies, tell you as i've never watched anything on showtime before Mm -hmm. but before the show starts there's a black screen that says showtime presents so there's like a showtime logo and then for some reason when they do showtime presents it looks like someone typed out the words in word you'll see that's weird okay every time i'm like what is this did they not edit this at all did someone just like put in a slide from word (laughs) it's so weird all right let's jump into it boop 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 I feel like we're going to say this, the name of this movie in four different ways yes. throughout the whole recording. Look, we're American and French is just so hard. As a French tutor, I will say that. <laughs> it's unknowably hard. Our <laughs> mouths are brutish and American and we just can't say these words. <laughs> I, I, I feel most comfortable saying Titan. Titan, yeah, because that's... Do you think it's like Titan? 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 Titan. I, I, I feel Jordan Searles yeah. said mm-hmm. it on Pop Culture Happy Hour. Oh, yeah. Jordan Searles mm-hmm. said it on Pop Culture Happy Hour. And when she said it, I was like, what movie is she talking about? <laughs> and it wasn't until she started talking about it where I. You were like, oh, Titan. Yeah. <laughs> Titan. Yeah. Oh, man. Titan 2021. Just came out <laughs> last year. 
Alexia has always had a connection to cars. A traumatic car accident when she was a child left her with a titanium plate in her skull, and as an adult, she finds a vocation as a showgirl for motor shows. After a one-night stand with a vintage Cadillac, she becomes pregnant. Alexia goes on the run, trying to conceal both her pregnancy and a string of brutal murders that she committed. She finds refuge in a firehouse, but she must pretend to be the fire captain's long-lost son. This was a hard movie to write a summary for, because there's really no way you can make that plot sound like there's each part is a logical next step to the last part. <laughs> it's, yeah, truly. All I knew about this movie going in was that she has sex with a car and gets pregnant. Same. But that's like... That's like a tenth of the yeah. movie. Oh, it's the f- in the first <laughs> ten minutes, maybe. Uh, and then everything else that happens is just like com- feels completely unrelated. Yes. <laughs> um, and it's directed by Julia um, Dacarno, uh, who directed Raw, which we really mm-hmm. enjoyed. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that, I think Raw came out in 2016. But this is her second feature, and um, I was compelled to see it based off of those two things car sex and uh the director totally i love raw Raw's i love raw like, too probably one of my favorite movies yeah this not so much <laughs> <laughs> you can definitely tell it's by the same director and yeah i think she's exploring um a lot of the same themes kind of like monstrosity in the female body and um I think she kind of balks at the term body horror. She said in an interview, um, I don't think I make body horror. I use body horror tools in my film, which I believe are dramas or love stories. I think these tools, I use these tools because I express myself in the way that I relate to the body. Um, But I mean, you can say one thing, but I think that (laughs) (laughs) we would maybe think the other. Uh, We watched this together. And as I recall, the biggest scream we had was when Alexia tries to bite off her lover's nipple rings. Totally, yeah. Ugh, ow. Yeah. You can, it, it's, it, body horror is like, it's body horror. Because, you feel it. You know, yeah, you feel it in your mm-hmm. own body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very visceral. Do you remember anything else that we were super, uh, I can remember also Alexia goes under like a transformation trying to appear as this long lost son and like mm-hmm. is fucking up her head in a bathroom that was pretty hard to watch when you knew she was about to try to yeah. break her nose yeah i remember Oof. being like that's not fun i mean all of the murder <laughs> in this movie that she commits is pretty like brutal i would say even yeah. the first murder which feels like justified almost because yes. she's being mm-hmm. she so the first murder that you see uh is wait what's her name um alexia Alexia mm-hmm. stabs this guy who's pretty much assaulting her. He's like yeah. a he's like an he's a fan of yeah. hers that uh, gets is aggressive, mm-hmm. and she kills him. And he's like, "You're like oh like she yeah. self defense," <laughs> <laughs> but then. But then he, it's still gross. Like yeah. he's like he's like frothing at the mouth, and like there's she a gets lot him of, in the ear. Oh, right? yeah. Oh, yeah. She's basically stat. Yeah. So she's, yeah. <laughs> it's still, <laughs> yeah. It's still hard to watch. Yeah. And the way, you know, she's so good at stabbing him that it's like the first red flag. You're like, wow, like she handled herself really well in that yeah, moment. Yeah, totally. Um, and that is one of two like big um, subversions the movie kind of pulls on you. Uh, the other is when 
Alexia has gone undercover and is living at this firehouse. She is basically conning the fire captain, Vincent, whose son was lost 10 years ago. And the other firemen, like, don't buy it and are very skeptical of her um, and can kind of, I think, tell that she is not who she says she is. And at one point, they kind of have a moment of camaraderie and invite her as this boy, Adrian, onto the top of a fire truck to dance. Or, like, they're just, like, like clapping and he... And she gets on top of the fire truck, and then she starts her like showgirl routine yeah. uh, while dressed as a man. And their reaction is like one of like visceral disgust and confusion. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like this gender switcheroo um, mm-hmm. both times in the movie. But I I liked this film a lot. But the mm-hmm. more I read about it, the more I can understand some pretty big criticisms of how this movie handles gender. What do you think? I I mean, I totally agree. I think that, uh, well, I didn't actually really like it, but <laughs> I do agree about like some of the criticisms. Mm-hmm. I think that um, when we first watched the movie, you have no one to really root for in the movie because you obviously want to root for Alexia because mm-hmm. she's, you know, the main character and you see her fuck a car and that's like, cool. Yeah. Yeah, and then but then she like murders a bunch of people that are nice people that yeah were just trying to be friends with her, kind of. And then yeah. she also she murders her parents. Um, who her mom seemed like a nice person. Her dad seemed to like be know that she was a psycho, I yeah. guess. <laughs> so he was uh, pretty cold to her the whole movie, but. I so I didn't like her after that. After, after she murdered everyone, I was like, "Can't root for you." Sorry. Um, and then she's conning this nice man, but the man, the the Vincent, the fire captain. But then he murders oh, yeah. one of his uh, fire boys like, <laughs> uh, because they he he finds out that Alexia is lying and is going to expose mm-hmm. her but vincent doesn't want that because i think vincent i don't think vincent buys it at all Ever. either i yeah. think that he is just so desperate to have his son back that he mm-hmm. just goes along with it and pretends mm-hmm. um so i'm not rooting for him either the only people the only person i rooted for i guess was the little fire boy that died oh i liked him <laughs> i liked the fire boys too um but like because so because there was no one to root for mm-hmm. i felt like it had all of these great ideas and like it brought up all these interesting questions but it because i didn't care about anyone i didn't care about the ideas and i also yeah. felt like it was so it was such a i wouldn't even say a roller coaster it it seemed like like stories that had no connection to each other almost. Mm-hmm. And I think that pro- like also attributed to me not being able to, like, I just didn't know how all these things connected really. It seemed almost like random mm-hmm. and, and like, yeah, like careless. It, it, like if you're going to bring up like these complicated questions about gender, I think that you have to also like care about, the characters or convince your audience to care about the characters and i just didn't yeah so i think julia dacarno um 
her it's it's an interesting example of like someone's a director's like intentions like not actually matching up with like what we're watching Mm. um she said in this interview in IndieWire that alexia's character comes from my will to show that femininity is so much more flexible and blurry than what people think it is that's why we start with the sequence in the car show um she goes on to kind of like equate the cars and the girls are getting objectified in the same way but i think she's coming from this perspective about Alexia as a woman and is kind of neglecting is, and she's, I think she's also like talking about like flexibility with gender uh, in a way that I think maybe someone could interpret as like Alexia is like a non-binary character Mm -hmm. when really what we know and see of Alexia is that she is altering her gender Mm -hmm. because she's like a psychopath who is trying Mm -hmm. to get away with something um, and that kind of falls into some really negative stereotypes, um, about like genderqueer people, uh, mm-hmm. it kind of reminded me of Silence of the Lambs actually as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. this idea that like deceitful people like change their gender, um, mm-hmm. as an act of violence. Um, Jude Dry in IndieWire as well, um, had a critical take on this movie in an article called Cross-Dressing and Car Fetishes, Titan Twists, Trans Tropes into Perverse Lifeless Body Horror. And they point out that there's um, some imagery in this movie that calls upon uh, the transmasculine, the iconography of the transmasculine transition, particularly like Vincent, um, you know, like injects steroids into his butt every night. Um, Alexia binds her breasts. Um, and Jude Dry writes that Titane twists these milestones of transition, a beautiful and liberating experience for most trans people, making them painful and grotesque in service of its bent towards horror. Um, Titane does not act, appear to be actively attempting to be a, a trans film. It's unclear if that makes its transphobia better or worse. And I think that just goes to what I'm saying about the director. You know, I think totally. it, was, it was clumsy. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Like, was she even thinking about that? Yeah. I guess. Uh, I don't know. Totally. Um, It's just a bonkers film from Mm -hmm. start to finish. There's some real moments of loveliness and tenderness in it. Um, Vincent and Alexia kind of develop this tender father-son family relationship, even when he acknowledges that she is not who she says she is. Mm -hmm. There's a dance scene where the men of the firehouse all dance to future islands. That is like sweet and Mm -hmm. uh, kind of just like a real tonal contrast with the rest of the film Mm -hmm. um yeah it's a very it's a movie you have to see to understand (laughs) (laughs) yeah totally i do like i don't know like like i think there are a lot of like images Mm -hmm. that we can take from take out of this film and uh, uh like i said like that show that gender is flexible or like mm-hmm. blur, blur the lines yeah. but like for gender like sort of like what julia ducarnell was like mm-hmm. trying to do like i like you said that like scene where they're all dancing the firehouse boys are all dancing i feel like that could be one of them like they're yeah. all, it's like a moment of like intimacy and like mm. freedom that i feel like men don't always have the ability to express i guess um but yeah all string together they don't string together (laughs) yeah totally i totally understand that 
um, I do think that even though this maybe is not as successful as Raw, mm-hmm. I'm just like super excited to see what uh, she does next. Oh, um, totally. She's like, like this. Yeah, totally. Like, I mean, she's has such a good eye. Like it's yeah. super stylish and yeah. interesting to watch. And anyone who could like think up an idea about <laughs> making a movie about a woman having sex with a car and then getting pregnant. Yes. Is I want to see what she does next. Watch what's next. I in one interview I read with her, she kind of like joked, or the interviewer interview or joked with her about like, is your next movie going to be a Marvel movie? And I was like, oh no, (laughs) but (laughs) oh no, yeah, that would be. I would watch it. Yeah, if she gets to fly her freak flag at all, and if she jumps into a franchise, then I'll I'll see it. Speaking of Marvel, I am going to. Uh, put out there that I think Marvel wouldn't exist without Transformers. Our ooh, next movie. Ooh, okay, that is so <laughs> spicy. I can't wait to hear why. Let's uh, jump into one-star reviews for Titane. Mm-hmm. I'll do the first one. I'm all for weird stories, but this is just plain stupid. It's so stupid it actually becomes funny. Also, the film is boring and filled with filled with endless unnecessary nudity. I just stopped caring halfway through. French can't make films Bottom line. It's funny because, like, at the beginning, I was like, okay. And then it's like, oh, no. Like, yeah. <laughs> why? The French. <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> leave them alone. Um, the second one-star review is, Woke Edgelords will find this movie a revelation. The whole film revolves around a brain-damaged, literally, degenerate woman trying to find paternal love. There's an abundance of gratuitous violence and gore, subtle pro-abortion advertisement, unaffectionate relationships and debauchery to empower the postmodernist free women. It's so funny that people would make that read of this movie. It's like <laughs> the feminists. I, I do, like, there is no read of this movie. <laughs> you can't, like, there is no read. <laughs> And it's also like woke edgelords will find this movie a revelation. The whole film revolves around a brain damaged woman trying to find paternal love. Like that's not feminist, you know? Yeah. People's brains have been just like rotten, you know? Yeah. It's like, it's sort of like this movie is trying to make a point. So it must be about liberal, the liberal (laughs) agenda. (laughs) Yes. The liberals are like, let's have sex with cars. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I'm going to give this a six. I enjoyed it, I think, more than you. I had a lot of fun watching it, and I did think about it a lot when it was finished. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I thought visually it was really compelling. And the performances, particularly the performance by the guy who plays Vincent, I I was just like kind of meh on um, Alexia, even though I do think the actress does a lot with very little dialogue. But I enjoyed it, and I think I'm just uh, in the bag for... Julia DeCarno. DeCarno. <laughs> Whatever. DeCarno. <laughs> um, I'll give it a five because, mm-hmm. like, it is just truly bonkers. Yeah. Um, and it is, you know, it's well made, if not well thought out. <laughs> So, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And our next movie is also about kind of objectifying women and sexy cars, I guess. (laughs) That's the connection. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) 
This is Transformers from 2007. <laughs> Sam Witwicky just wants to own a car to impress the girl of his dreams, but the used 1976 Chevrolet Camaro that his dad buys him is actually a robot in disguise. Soon, isn't that... Yeah, Transformers, robots. Exactly. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, soon Sam and his crush, Michaela, get swept up in an intergalactic battle between good robots, Autobots, and evil robots. Wait, what? <laughs> Autobots? Like, that's what they're called. No, they're not. Yes, they are. No, it's Autobots. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> What's an Autobahn? An, uh, the Autobahn is a road in Germany that you can go like super fast on. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> so ro- the good robots are the Autobots. So it's just Autobots and okay. Decepticons. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, between good... Oh, you were saying... Okay. Good robots. Good- between good uh, robots, the Autobots, and evil robots, the Decepticons, who wish to destroy the planet Earth. Autobots? <laughs> and it stands for, like, automobile, organic something... Oh, it does? But yeah, it's. I, I did see that on Wikipedia. Um, <laughs> uh, so I have this like rare condition, and maybe not that rare, where I can't tell cars apart. and I, I can't, can't either. I can't tell car brands apart. No, and so same. it made this movie very difficult for me. I think it transferred to the robots. Mm, um, we'll get totally. into it, but this is a visually chaotic. It's a visual jumbo. Yeah. Um, and it was very difficult for me in some scenes to understand who was the bad robot and who was the good robot. And I know the okay. bad robots were like all in dark colors, but it was so muddled that I could not tell. Same. Yeah. I mean, for a lot of the action scenes, I was just like, I'm going to rest my eyes and just <laughs> take a little dose. vibe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I am ashamed to say that I knew many, many lines mm. and many, many beats of this movie because I loved it when it came out like loved it interesting like like a lot and watching it now i'm like okay i can see why i liked it so much because i think shia labeouf is just like endlessly charismatic yeah he's evil now you know but Mm -hmm. um and i do think that a lot of the uh (laughs) jokes they hit you know, I, I'm not going to lie. I think the family dynamic is, like, what I mm-hmm. really loved about the movie um, when I... And I still, you know, same now. Like, I loved the family dynamics in this movie. I just mm-hmm. thought it was super funny. Um, but I also didn't like a lot of other stuff about this movie that I think I wasn't able to when this first came out. And I was like, what? 15 or something yeah i I wasn't able to like differentiate between what i liked and what i thought was like that i just didn't pay attention to yeah in the movie so one of those things being all the racist jokes that happened i think i i'll say that i probably when i watched this when i was 15 i i doubt i thought they were funny but i probably didn't realize that they were like as harmful as they are Mm -hmm. and obviously now to me as a 29 year old (laughs) I'm watching this and like, oh no. Yeah. Basically any non-white person who's introduced, it's like, they're so loud. They're so yeah. like loud and kooky. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of like, that like there's a Latino 
uh, character that mm-hmm. they're always just asking to speak English. Oh my gosh. It, that was like the most glaring one to me. That, yeah. uh, there's also a lot of like angry yelling at women. Yes. Especially <laughs> older women. and Yeah, especially older women. Yeah, it's just rough. Apparently mm-hmm. that's like a real Michael Bay thing, who's the director, Ugh. is kind of these like weird uh, racist stereotypes working their way in. And also um, he has a real weird thing with women um and also a real weird thing with men too like i don't think any of the men in this movie come across particularly well shia labeouf's character is this like weaselly asshole yeah he's a jerk he (laughs) is a jerk jerk. he's like he's trying to like it's weird because he is still still so like charming somehow mm-hmm. but he like all yes. the things he's doing is like he's a jerk <laughs> yeah he has this like it's like the disney child star thing where some of them like you can tell because they were a child who had to stand out from like hundreds of other children mm. they have like this real charisma and like drive uh mm. where it's just like weird star power that they yeah. acquired as children yeah. uh, <laughs> And, uh, yeah, he 100% has it. He's fun to watch. He even makes stupid dialogue kind of, like, punchy. Um, And he has just, like, maintains an energy throughout the film that even though we have literally no reason to care about his character, and his character has no real motivation, and his character isn't even really special. He just has a thing. Yeah. Like, he's not smart or he doesn't like figure anything out the he's end not of the- he's not smart he's not really very kind no he's not very like he, like he, nothing nothing he doesn't learn anything no Lindsay ellis makes a really good point that the only character in this movie who has a character arc who has a motivation and whose character arc also uh ties into the themes if this movie has a theme of like sacrifice is megan fox's character as michaela she's the only person with a backstory we're told that mm-hmm. she um, her dad is in jail because he had to steal cars and she would help him, but she got a juvie record because she wouldn't snitch on him. Mm-hmm. And when that's revealed, you know, she yells at Shia LaBeouf and is like, you've never had to sacrifice anything. Right, because he's a jerk about it. Because he's a jerk. Because he's a jerk. <laughs> and then, like, it's at the end of the film, it's like, oh, there's, like, a sacrifice. But it's like, no, not really. Like, what is sacrificed, you know? Um, right. So it's interesting. And Megan Fox's character is also um, a little more complicated than I think a lot of people chalk up for this movie. Obviously, mm-hmm. she is shot like she's in a porno, mm-hmm. um, quite literally. But she is like not the worst female character I've ever seen on film. Mm-hmm. She does totally. things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think I really like the the one like action scene that I like, mm. I guess, is where she's like driving the tow truck. Yes, absolutely. And that's very cute. Um, it's worth noting that Megan Fox really had a miserable time filming these movies and that Michael Bay was like a huge pig to her. Really disgusting. Apparently made her audition for this by wearing a bikini and washing his Ferrari in his driveway. She just like was low keyed sexual, sexually harassed the whole time. She was... Um, like when she quit the third movie or was fired or whatever, mm-hmm. um, even though her character is like shown to be like really well liked, mm-hmm. beloved by Sam, they mm-hmm. have a line in the third movie where they like don't explain her. They like explain her absence, not even using her name. And one Audubon is like Autobot <laughs> is like, I never liked her. She was mean. And it's like, do we ever establish that she's mean or are you talking about Megan Fox? Oh, God. Shitty. So she really put up with a lot, and then they replaced her in the last 
or I guess the third movie. Um, she deserved better than this. Uh, she, yeah, she, I mean, she deserved better for a lot of things. Yeah, and this kind of like tanked her career too. She was, it, it was really hard for her to recover after this and kind of both after kind of like very publicly being fired, she talked out against Michael Bay and mm-hmm. said that he was like working under Hitler um, and kind of like detailed how much he endangered Shia and her when they were filming. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was years before Me Too. Mm-hmm. And she kind of just like didn't really work for a while after these, um, yeah. which is too bad because she also has so much star power, as we know. Yes, she has so much star power, and she's she's she really is actually talented. Like she, yes. she I I think she is a good actor, and uh, mm-hmm. like I think I realized that when we rewatched Jennifer's Body for the yeah. podcast. But I did. There is like a new thriller that she's in that I want to watch, where yeah. she gets like cha- handcuffed to like a dead man's body. Ooh, okay. She also like Shia LaBeouf can turn some really shitty dialogue into something it sounds like a person might say which is hard which is very hard um this movie is so outrageously pro-military but yet also anti-government yeah um it's a fun (laughs) line to walk (laughs) where it's like people in the military are just good like uh the other thing that i thought was kind of funny is like the two military characters josh duhamel is one of them Mm -hmm. are just like they don't seem to be high ranking, but they have all this authority. They're just like yeah. regular guys doing the right thing and calling the shots. I think that I think Josh Tumel is <laughs> maybe Fre- maybe French, maybe a French he's, last name. He's a captain. Okay, I don't know what that means, but I think he's like the leader of their little troop. But is he? He's not like he's calling shots as though he is like a general. You know? He's yeah, like, he's like get me, connect me to the Pentagon. I know it's crazy. So yeah, super pro military. Um, mm-hmm government bad brands good yes (laughs) wait let me read this part um this is from the manola dargis review in the new york times uh she's talking about how it's just like there's so many brands in this movie the movie waves the flag equally for detroit in the military if to no coherent end last year the director of general motors brand marketing and advertising clarified how the company's cars were integral to the movie quote it's a story of good versus evil our cars are the good guys and sure enough most of the autobots take the shape of gm vehicles um which is so crazy but except for optimus prime who is a generic 18 wheel tractor maybe that's because the company didn't want to be represented by a character that promises to blow itself up for the greater good (laughs) Oh, man. So that's pretty funny. Um, also, in Lindsay Ellis's video series, I don't really know much about the original franchise at all, but th- she does give an explainer about why there are not female uh, Transformers in this movie. Um, there is one in one of them. I yes. Think. I mean, this is I've only seen this one in the second one, and the second one's even worse. Yeah. But... Uh, the one in the second a, one gets girl. killed without any dialogue. Yes. Yeah. Which is silly. Uh, but the, one of the screenwriters was like, it would confuse audiences too much if there was a female Autobot suddenly. And it's like, these are robots from outer <laughs> space. And they're all men. We're not confused by that. Yeah. Yeah. Do they reproduce asexually? Like, I was thinking one question I did have about the logistics of it was how do they keep getting bullets and like things to throw? Like, oh, mis- that's a like good projectiles? Question. Because... They seem to be made out of this like finite amount of metal. But then I was thinking about the cube, which is the source of power. Ah, it, the allspark. Yes, the allspark. Like allspice. 
And that is very big and then becomes very small. So maybe they have like some control over. Okay. Regenerating. Yeah. Or something. I don't know. It's. (laughs) it's, I shouldn't have thought that hard about it. I have heard. I have not seen uh, the rest of the. I think I've seen one other, but I can't remember which one. I've seen some of the Mark Wahlberg one. But I do remember that at one point Optimus Prime in one movie says something about like Harriet Tubman. Like he helped Harriet Tubman. What? Really? Absolutely. I'm That's just going to Google it really quickly. There, I do know in the the final one, I think, that there are dinosaur robots, and so the robots are riding the dinosaur robots with, like, swords. Okay, cool. Into that. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Harriet Tubman is an entry on the Transformers wiki. Oh, God. <laughs> oh um, God. I've heard that... Uh, she was a member of the Order of the Witwickens, a group of humans who knew the presence of Transformers on Earth and worked to keep their secret. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess that is like that is why Sam is special. Is because his like pair, his grandparents, yeah. or whatever. I know. I would like to see Bumblebee one day with Haley Steinfeld. I, I saw that. It was, it was cute. Good. It was cute. Yeah, it was cute. Yeah. Um. I will say, though, that I think the reason this movie is so successful is because of the quippy dialogue. Mm. Mm -hmm. And I think that inspired Iron Man's quippy dialogue. And I don't think that the, the I don't think the Avengers would exist without this movie. That is a bold claim. I, th- I think this launched because okay, this came out in two thousand seven. Iron Man came out in two thousand eight. Okay, all right. I know that's a very good point. That's a very good point. And I could it's, see like the world building too that they kind of do with this movie kind yep. of aligns with some of the Marvel stuff. It's uh. the same like it's the same like vibe. <laughs> yeah, to me. Like, oh, definitely. Where, Especially the militaristic stuff of Iron Man too. Yeah. Totally. Yep. Yep. Um, I think it's worth saying that there are cars in this movie, (laughs) but there are not that many cars. Like, I think when we paired these two movies together, I was like, Transformers is about cars, too. Um, But it's really about, like, all automobiles. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I would say that this is more about cars than Teton. Yeah. Yeah. I guess they're equally kind of about... (laughs) I well Yeah, I guess. Well, there's a main character car. Yeah. The cars are the cars are both in both movies. The cars are sentient. Yes, and the 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 gender stuff is there too. Yeah, at Megan Fox and Alexia Dan like the way they're filmed with cars, yes, is very similar. Yes, and the cars are kind of masculine. Uh, I mean, the cars obviously in Transformers are only masculine, um, but the cars in Titane have the ability to impregnate female women. Yeah. I'm sensing a Transformers plot that could be picked up. <laughs> I could borrow a few things from Titane. The Titan's baby is, is a Transformer. <laughs> I love it. Um, do you have anything else you'd like to say about Transformers or shall we jump into one star reviews? I think I'm ready. Okay. Let's go into one star reviews. Hell yeah. I'll read the first one. This is crap that only Michael Bay is possible to offer. It's a movie only for Americans' taste. 
And it's funny only for that audience because the movie is full of those, quote, American jokes, unquote. Jokes that 90% of the rest of the world's population would not even move a facial muscle for. It's funny because it's kind of true. Yeah, probably. Yeah, Yeah. there are some really stupid jokes in this. Yeah, there were very very bad jokes. John Turturro's character is like so offensive and insane. Oh my God, ew, when he was like, criminals are hot. Criminals are hot. Yeah, that was fucking weird. Or when he says that she's in her training bra yeah he said that he played himself as michael bay oh my god yeah ew so many layers there so many layers um the second one star review is best bit megan fox legs and cleavage comma otherwise rubbish so that's the i will say in closing also that i think michael bay is super disdainful of his own audience like you can tell this is a movie that is not like the people is like the people who enjoy this are like fucking stupid. And they're oh, all like really? Sam. I think they're all like Sam. Like he thinks like you're just like Shia LaBeouf. Like you like this cuz you're like a fucking loser asshole like Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. Yeah. That's his perspective, I think. Wow. Yeah. What are you going to rate this? I'm going to rate okay. it a, I'm going to rate it a 3. Like Okay. It's still some of the spectacle of it is still kind of fun. Um, it's really fucking long. The action scenes were very difficult for me to follow. Mm-hmm. But I do like the parents a lot. I, I, I like those two. And yeah, I like the, I like the, the parents. The first hour with Sam and his family is, is, has moments. Yeah. I, would, I, I, think, I think the same thing mm-hmm. as you. But I think I probably like it a little more. So mm-hmm. I'll rate it like a three and a half. Because I, I guess I just have this like nostalgia mm. for it, and uh, I don't know if I actually laughed. I think I did laugh out loud at the same point you did, where Sam is like, his mom is like, "Why are you so filthy?" And he's like, "I'm a child. I'm a teenager." <laughs> that I don't know. That's just funny to me. Yeah. I I agree. Like the first hour when it's just the the family is like fun. I think as soon as John Turturro's shows up Oof. i'm like oh nap time yeah um but yeah so three and a half wah, wah, wah. <laughs> Alrighty, and that's probably the well i was gonna say that's probably the only car uh no. episode we'll ever do but we did christine so that's true and i mean christine and titan titan would have been, been great. interesting to put in dialogue together for sure yeah titan we thought it was going to be a short one but we had a lot to say we did have a lot to say chick flicks is researched and written by bridget hovell and edited by Mackenzie chapman many thanks to tim group carlson for our music our next episode will be on the original movie scream and the newest installment also called scream what a hoot you can follow chick flicks on instagram and twitter at chick flicks pod and email us at chick flicks podcast at gmail thanks for listening Bye. Bye.